This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Pineapple Pizza Podcast discusses the histories, cultures, and beliefs of regions around the world. These stories often contain mature and sometimes disturbing content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Pineapple Pizza Podcast, where we serve up slices of mythology, cryptozoology, and urban legends. It's an interesting combination of flavors. Weird, but it works. Today, we're serving up a story by the slice of medieval soul food, S-O-L-E. Ooh. We're going to eat some shoes. (laughs) Call Charlie Chaplin. (laughs) I'm your hostess, Emily, and with me are the magnificent Lindsay and Ashley. Hi. Hello. Well, hello, darling. Ooh, that was fancy. I like that. I was out in the cold, so I'm pretty hyped up. (laughs) (laughs) Got y'all wound up. Hello there, stranger. Hello, darling. I haven't seen you in ages. (laughs) Today's slice serves up the history of a medieval plague, though not the one you're probably thinking of. Oh my god, please tell me it's the dancing plague. Oh no, but that is one that we've talked about. I talked about that one with Lids. (laughs) Damn it, I was so excited, but I'll still like it because it's a plague. No, this one instead is known as the Plague of Bunions. Oh, yeah, that's right, because we said feet. (laughs) (laughs) Although you could, the dancing thing still kind of works. Yep. During the mid-1400s, a strange series of laws known as sumptuary laws were passed smack in the middle of the reign of King Edward IV of England. If you're wondering what the heck a sumptuary law is or was, they were laws meant to regulate consumer spending or... Or, no, not or. I didn't even write or. By forbidding the sale of certain items. <laughs> oh, ho, ho. Oop, I punched my desk. <laughs> it's like, ugh, I'm so excited about this story. In the case of those passed by King Edward IV, they were meant to control apparel deemed inappropriate or even lascivious. Oh, my God. Everything I love's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> Surprisingly, the biggest drivers for these laws were not women's apparel, but men's. Oh, the tables have turned. (laughs) No fancy riches for you, sir. (laughs) Laws were passed to prevent clothing from being too tight and revealing. Men's coats, gowns, and tunics needed to be long enough to cover, quote, his privy member and buttocks. 
Yeah, cover that shit up. I don't need to see your peen. <laughs> Unless it's a tower. <laughs> a small tower. A modestly sized tower. <laughs> Made of wood. <laughs> Where was I? We were talking about laws and butts. Okay. Covering butts. Covering butts. <laughs> Weirdly included in this series of laws were some which prevented anyone under the rank of lord from wearing boots or shoes that extended further than two inches beyond the toe. Why on earth would they make laws to control the length of shoes? Well, that's because pointed shoes had been a concerning fashion dating back to at least the 12th century. That's the 1100s. And may have been associated with loose morals and even homosexuality. Pointy shoes make you a homosexual? We'll get into it. Okay. But possibly. An English monk known as... <laughs> I don't know. Is it Orderic? Or Derek? We're going to call him Big O. Oh, Derek? We can't call a monk the Big O. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that's illegal. I'll have to check my Bible. <laughs> Monk Big O Vitalis wrote during the <laughs> he wrote during the early 12th century that shoes shaped like scorpions' tails were in high demand by laymen of corrupt morals, thanks to a Frenchman who'd had pointy shoes commissioned to hide his ugly and deformed feet. <laughs> I know. I like, oh, that sucks. This guy had really ugly feet, apparently. Like, the ugliest toes. It was all the rumor of the court. So he made these fancy shoes to make it a little easier on him. And everybody's like, wow, that's really cool, actually. Let's do that. Okay, here's the thing, though. History picks or it didn't happen. I want to see these feet. (laughs) (laughs) So Big O went on to complain that during this period, effeminates, in quotes as he called them, were the trendsetters of much of the world, rejecting the traditions of, another quote, honest men. By this, he meant that they were a little too loose in their relationships, their clothes were too tight, their hair too long, because apparently mullets were all the rage, and they had the nerve to wear short beards and cover their heads with hats. How dare... Does anyone else feel like this is just uh, straight men trying to shame men who are actually good at fashion? Because that's how (laughs) I feel, and I want you to back off because every girl's crazy about a sharp-dressed man, damn it. (laughs) Well, apparently, at that time, the only people who were supposed- the only men who were supposed to wear beards were those who were, like, repenting for something, people who were in prison. It just wasn't done, so if all of a sudden beards are coming about and now they're really into mullets so they have like long girly hair in the back with these flowing locks oh yeah and then hats whatever how dare you wear a hat how dare you put on a hat and pointy shoes you whore (laughs) (laughs) things were about to get a lot worse in the eyes of the church though oh good during the 14th and 15th centuries, shoes known as Poulain or Krakow became increasingly popular. Krakow? Poulain cracks me up. Poulain. <laughs> Krakow. <laughs> These shoes were thought to have originated in Poland, as both their common names suggest. 
Poulain is French for Polish, while Krakow was the capital of Poland during that period. I was going to say, why does that sound like the capital? Mm-hmm. That's why. So they were wearing a city on their feet. Krakow is... Or Poland. The sound you make when you bust your toes. While wearing these things? Yeah. Krakow! That was the stupidest <laughs> joke I've ever made. Krakow! You sound like a crow or something. Caca! Caca! We can't start cuckoo chewing because we'll never get back on track. <laughs> this is true. I am the walrus. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> it is believed that the style was introduced to England during or not long before the reign of King Richard II, who ruled from 1377 to 1399. He was probably a dick. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Poulain were typically flat-soled, low-cut slip-on shoes, though some would have a, like a little lacing or like a, a buckle or something along the side. Ooh, a buckle, a nice shiny buckle. Fancy. Ain't she a fancy fucker? Yeah, those uh, low-cut <laughs> shoes showing off that sexy ankle right there. If we're not allowed to show off our butts anymore, we're going to show off our ankles. <laughs> I like your bone structure. (laughs) (laughs) The majority of Poulain that still survive today are made of leather, though shoes would have been made of pretty much any kind of fabric or sometimes even wood. They did have wooden. These looked weird. They looked like you strapped them onto your... I don't know how it worked. It was weird. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I don't know about this. How do you work? (laughs) Gotta get your feet all up in that wood. (laughs) Up in here? Up in here. Things are getting so weird. I feel like the wooden ones were probably when the poor people wanted to look really cool. So they're like, what can we make this out of? I don't know. You got a spare log. (laughs) Well, aren't those Dutch shoes made of wood, though? Yep. Wooden clogs, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's not like that crazy. It just sounds weird to us because we're like, why? (laughs) Have you guys ever seen Ever After? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so the scene where uh, Leonardo da Vinci is walking out on the water on the boat shoes, yeah. to me, they kind of look like that, but just pointed at the one end. Okay. Okay, that's how you got around. Cool. Whatever, people. Wealthier people would likely have worn poulain crafted from fine materials such as velvet and silks, and these could have been elaborately decorated with etched or painted designs. Because, you know, they're Ooh. fancy and rich. Fancy. Bedazzle those shoes, yep. baby. <laughs> <laughs> but these shoes were not defined by beautiful patterns or fancy materials. Instead, they were defined by their signature no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. No means no. God. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, they were defined by their signature toe, also known as the pike. Ooh. <laughs> So you put severed heads on it then? or <laughs> I mean, Vlad the Impaler was all about these shoes. <laughs> the toe of Poulain shoes were elongated sometimes to the extreme and came to tapered points. The toes could be anywhere from, wait for it, two inches or five centimeters to possibly as much as 18 inches or 45 centimeters in length. Oh boy, that's an impressive tip you have here. <laughs> Mothman is impressed. 
So, like, think about the women during the seven. 1700s who wore the ridiculously tall wigs mm-hmm. yeah. put Marie it on Antoinette. a foot put it on a foot and try to walk around <laughs> it's like Gilgamesh with his four foot feet <laughs> it's so dumb do you wear those shoes for everyone or are you just happy to see me <laughs> as you can imagine these toes could be rather floppy a little flaccid <laughs> a bit dangerous for walking around but good news, everyone. There were ways to fix the problem. Cut it off. <laughs> <laughs> that is one. <laughs> so wearers could stuff the shoes with other materials such as wool, hair, or moss. Ugh, hair. Like, ugh. ugh. What if you got that in between your toes when you're walking? <laughs> Gross. Have you stuffed your tips today? <laughs> Clean out your brushes, girls. Stuff your tips. <laughs> Just not your, not your tits. Your tips. <laughs> tips. Tips before tits. That's what I always say. It's the old school bros before hoes. <laughs> tips before tits. Oh my god! Totally. <laughs> Jesus, Lindsay. So proud of that one. <laughs> I slay me. If we can't see you tips from space, are you even a gentleman? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Send help. (laughs) They could also use whalebone to create a stiffer tip. So they boned that tip. (laughs) But wait, wait. They could literally, their other option is to literally chain their shoes to their shins or knees. So wealthier people would take like fine metal chains and they would they would tie it to the tip of their toes and then they would wear these like buckle like like sock garters like bracelets yeah around their knees or their shins and they would put a, a chain from the tip all the way up to their knees and then walk around like looking dead ass so serious with this shit on. Can you imagine getting into a fight with someone who has those chains on? I'd be yanking on those things so hard. You're on your ass now, Can't Frederick. Get tangled in each other and shit when they're walking down the street. Oh my god. So, and they walked around like this is the coolest thing. Other people who weren't as wealthy would use things like silk instead of chains, but oh my god. I'm just picturing like a cat running through like an alleyway. Oh and, it, and it gets stuck in someone's <laughs> tip chains. And they're like, no! <laughs> if only I wasn't so wealthy! <laughs> <laughs> These long, stiff toes made it difficult for people to kneel during prayer at church and came to be rebranded as Satan's Claws by contemporary priests. This became such a concern for the church that Pope Urban V banned them in 1362. That's awesome. Big talk for someone with a pointy hat. Seriously. Apparently no one really cared, though, because the fashion continued to be popular for another hundred years, despite the obvious drawbacks that such long shoes can have, particularly in terms of ease of movement. And this is where things get kind of fun. A June 2021 study in the International Journal of 
paleopathology examined the prevalence of bunions in different subpopulations of medieval Cambridge. Somebody got paid to do this. Oh my god. They wanted to examine whether there was a relationship between bunions and fractures and explore whether this differed between people of differing social standing. Sure. So basically what they wanted to know is if people who had bunions were more likely to have fractures associated with falls and whether the frequency of these bunions and fractures dip was different depending on social class. So like, did poor people have it? Did rich people have it? They found that approximately 27% of people buried during the 14th and 15th century had bunions. 27%. And that's they said that that's what they were able to measure. They imagined that there were more people than that. It just didn't show in the bones. Gotcha. And that's compared to just 6% of people buried between the 11th and 13th centuries. So 6% to 27%. That's a big jump. Mm-hmm. And skeletons that had bunions were more likely to have fractures to the upper arms, which were likely the result of a fall. So you fall, you try to catch yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The highest occurrence of bunions was observed on the bodies of the affluent urban people, while occurrence was significantly lower in rural burials. I wonder why. You can't really plow a field with those things on your toes. Mm-hmm. I'm just picturing someone like poor farmer, like tossing out grain for their chickens and the chickens kept pecking their tips <laughs> <laughs> taken together this suggested to the researchers that the poulain shoe which contributed to falls and broken bones amongst wearers was more common shoe for the affluent than it was for like the poor mm-hmm. rural people so basically they looked stylish but clumsy as fuck yep kind of like stiletto heels checks out yep But why would anyone want to wear these damn things? They had to look ridiculous. Clearly the church didn't approve. They seemed to make people clumsier and more accident prone. What could possibly be the appeal of these shoes? According to Rebecca Shawcross, it was likely a status symbol. Shoes like this were not only expensive, but impractical, obviously. Yeah. Wearing a pair of these, especially with ludicrously long points, meant not only did you have the money to drop on such a luxury item, but also identified you as a person of leisure rather than as a laborer. Yep. Because you really couldn't walk around very well on these things, so you basically just stood there and said, look how stylish I am. (laughs) (laughs) Because your uncalloused hands weren't doing that job Uh for you. (laughs) (laughs) Super pale skin. Yep. Around this time, the Black Death had swept through Europe and wiped out entire generations from existence. The population of Europe shrank, but those who remained may have then had more money to play with what they inherited. Inheritances and fewer mouths to feed potentially contributed to greater personal wealth and therefore more fun money. There you go. The shoes may have also had a kind of sex appeal. Uh, hard, hard no. Hard Hard pass. Hard pass which may have been a result of changing ideals or may have been in response to the immense loss the world had recently experienced. Kind of like a live every moment to its fullest response. Let's get rid of our old chaste ways and let's just go balls to the wall with our fashion sense. Why not? I mean, I've heard of thank God we're not dead sex, so anything can happen. Thank God we're not dead penis shoes, apparently. 
flaccid dick shoes. <laughs> <laughs> so this is around the time when men began to wear shorter tunics, showing off more of their legs and, and tushes. And these low-cut shoes likely help bring more attention to the length and shape of their leg and their ankles, those sexy, sexy ankles. That's weird because I myself am not an ankle lady. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess when that's the only thing that you can see and everything else was hidden basically by a sack. Yeah. No one likes a cankle. Well, no, I bet there's a there's a fetish for everything. <laughs> there is a fetish for everything. Uh, I was going to say in that same vein, but that doesn't really flow well with cankle fetishes. <laughs> <laughs> Too messing. <laughs> so we, 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 were ta- <laughs> we were talking about sexy legs. The Museum of London suggests that these shoes were associated with alternative or even deviant sexual lifestyles with wearers being deemed sodomites by the church. Okay. Okay. Here's where the, here's where the homosexual stuff yeah. comes in. All right. Gotcha. A- according to the Museum of London, sodomite was just like, it didn't have to necessarily do with butt stuff. It was just thrown about anybody who was basically freely having sex outside of marriage or doing anything kind of naughty. So everybody was a sodomite if they were. But, you know, also men. Yep. But so, okay. They're associated with sodomites. That's apparently due to the phallic appearance of the tip of the shoe. Are we surprised by this? Nope. Okay, but also, they're flaccid, so I don't really know how much work you're getting done with that tool. Well, I mean, that's why you stuff it, right? Or you bone it. Or you use it as, like, a tickler. (laughs) Tickle, tickle, tickle. Lindsay's thought about this an awful lot. (laughs) I just keep thinking it as, like, floppy. Tickle, tickle, tickle. tickle. (laughs) Hey, girl, look what I can do. Tickle, tickle. (laughs) <laughs> just starts rubbing your leg with this ridiculously long tip of this flaccid shoe <laughs> sitting three feet away and can still <laughs> rub you with his toes oh my god they're underneath they're across from you at the table yeah. you're just like where the fuck did that come from like yeah that was me <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Three Feet over here. (laughs) Hells yeah. Oh my goodness. Further supporting their association uh, with like a deviant and alternative lifestyle, the style was primarily worn by men. And remember, they stuff these ends and make them nice and stiff. Mm -hmm. So the Museum of London website goes on to state that men would, quote, Stand on street corners and wiggle them suggestively at passersby. <laughs> Why would you want to stop that from happening? Record that shit. It is said that if somebody wore poulains with bells sewn to the ends of them, it indicated that the wearer was available for sexual frolics. End quote. Sexual frolics. <laughs> Could you imagine a guy standing on a street corner and he just sticks his foot out and he's like, mew, mew, mew. <laughs> I'm picturing like the airport bathrooms. Remember like how the toe yes, the toe yes. thing was a thing? That's I'm the same thing I pictured. I'm picturing this like pointed shoe with a bell on it coming underneath and be like, mew, 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 mew. <laughs> from like two stalls over. <laughs> 
So in the church's eyes, these men were walking around with foot boners in public looking for a hookup. Blasphemy. Yeah, right? (laughs) The fashion trend became so popular that it even made its way onto the battlefield. Armorers made armored Poulain shoes for crusaders. How well do you think that went over? Probably not very well. Could you imagine them trying to charge across the battlefield with these things? <laughs> They're like penguin running. <laughs> like ducks trying to run on wind. As with the everyday wearer, this caused some issues. According to the Fashion Institute of Technology website, more than one battle may have resulted in a negative outcome for those who wore Poulain onto the battlefield. Oh my god, you don't say. (laughs) (laughs) The outcomes of at least two battles may have potentially been affected by the shoes, though I couldn't really, like, I couldn't confirm the truth behind the rumors, because I I went looking into the history of the battles and I couldn't really find anything that was like, oh, it was the shoes that did it. But I'll share them anyway, because they're kind of fun. So one says that Habsburg Cavaliers were defeated by some poor, lowly Swiss peasants, partly because the Cavaliers wore pointed shoes, and the peasants, of course, did not, because they're poor. Or maybe the peasants are just better at everything. (laughs) And they're like, you look stupid, and you're all gonna die. (laughs) 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 The other is from the 1396 Battle of Nicopolis during the last Western Crusade. The Ottomans beat the tar, like the freaking tar, out of the invading Europeans. And it is said that during this battle, a contingent of French soldiers had to cut the tips off of their poulains so they could turn tail and run away. (laughs) They couldn't get out of there fast enough. Ultimately, it is unlikely that the shoes really had anything to do with the defeat. When I was looking into this, uh, the European... Defeat. (laughs) (laughs) Defeat didn't have anything to do with it. The, the European invaders were, were, all they did was fight each other because it was a whole bunch of leaders and generals from all over Europe and there was just so much infighting and the forces all had varying experiences, whereas the Ottomans had like a single leader and, a, and well-disciplined troops, but it's still pretty entertaining anyway. And who knows, maybe the French really did have to run away. <laughs> cut it off, cut it off, cut it off! <laughs> The trend of pointed toes persisted throughout Europe for around 300 years, but eventually faded into obscurity, probably for a myriad of reasons, from personal safety and personal finances to social, political, and religious acceptance. Today, pointed shoe fashions come and go. There was a big resurgence in England during the 60s when they were known as... What do you think they're called during the 60s? Because this cracked me up. What are they called? I don't know. Winkle pickers. Why? <laughs> How do you take anybody seriously? Like, I went and bought myself a new pair of winkle pickers. Well, it was the 60s. Everyone was high, so <laughs> nobody was really that concerned about saying winkle pickers. Why <laughs> of laughter if you were super high and somebody said they had their winkle pickers on? I don't know. It depends on what kind of drugs you're stoned on. That's true. LSD. I bet those shoes looked really cool on LSD. (laughs) (laughs) The ones from the 60s obviously were not as ridiculous, but they were pretty crazy. I was looking at some pictures of, like, the Beatles used to wear them, and it's pretty popular out of Europe. But 
There was, of course, another resurgence in the early 2000s, I know, because I participated in that resurgence, and I definitely wore the pointy toe boots that I tripped over myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, been there. Can relate. Uh, The Poulain has even made an appearance in pop culture. Rowan Atkinson repeatedly wore a pair of ridiculously long black leather Poulain shoes during the 1980s series Black Adder. Yep. So, yep, they've been around. They're kind of funny. While pointed toes come and go in fashion, I really hope that the Poulain stays a distant and hilarious memory because I know I would trip over these things as soon as I put them on. I definitely did it in the early 2000s with things that weren't that much longer than my own feet. So (laughs) (laughs) if I have to chain it to my knees, it's just not going to (laughs) work. Ingredients for this dish were sourced from a page on Harvard Law School's website entitled Privy Members and Buttocks. Yep, that's on the Harvard Law School's website. And buttocks. (laughs) Part two of the book, Survey of Historic Costumes, Studio Access Card by Phyllis Tortora and Sarah Marchetti. Accessed on Google Books. A June 2021 article in the International Journal of Paleopathology by Dittmar et al. Titled Fancy Shoes and Painful Feet, Halix Valgus and Fracture Risk in Medieval Cambridge, England. Accessed on Elsevier. An article on Atlas Obscura titled, Why Were Medieval Europeans So Obsessed with Long Pointy Shoes? Thanks, Linz. You're welcome. A page on the Museum of London website titled, Satan's Claws, Pointy Shoes, and Sodomy in Medieval London. (laughs) A page about the history of sumptuary law and shoes on sumptuary law. A page about the history of sumptuary law and shoes on sumptuarylaw.blogspot.com. And a page on the Poulain accessed on the Fashion Institute of Technology website. So what do you think? You guys going to go out and buy yourself a pair of a Poulain? Nope. I don't know. I mean, I do have some ridiculously painful shoes, but all of mine look amazing. They don't look (laughs) stupid, so... (laughs) I will deform myself a little to look good, but not like a ton. (laughs) You don't have to stuff the tip? No, I don't have to stuff the tip of any of my shoes. I actually do kind of like a pointed toe on some styles of shoe, but yeah, you do have to be really careful like what the shoes are made of or you end up with really bad blisters. Mm-hmm. Or if they have really smooth bottoms and you walk on a wet surface on a summer day and then slip and fall on your ass with a skirt on, that's not fun. Well, yeah. you know. Well, you know, that's just a what if. Sometimes you just fall on your butt, and the first thing you do when you fall on your butt, and this is universal law, is you look around to see if anyone saw you. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you get up immediately, look around to see if anyone noticed, and then if nobody did, you're allowed to process your pain. If someone (laughs) saw you, gotta get the fuck out of there. (laughs) Walk on. A bruised tailbone is way better than bruised ego (laughs) yes bruised ego that's what i'm looking for (laughs) this is very true so thank you for suggesting this topic Linz. i was looking for some fun short story topics and because the one i had originally planned to tell you guys is going to end up being a patreon it ended up being longer than i thought it was going to be so but for now i think we'll close up the restaurant for the night thank you for visiting our beautiful pizzeria and enjoying a slice of just the tip Doesn't count. (laughs) 
Pineapple Pizza Podcast. Sweet and cheesy. Not everyone understands our awesomeness, but we're glad that you do? Question mark? If you're enjoying the show and you'd like to help support us, check out our Tee Public shop for some amazingly fun and funny merch. Or if you want to do a one-time donation, you can do that on buymeacoffee.com and buy us a fresh slice because we can never get enough of basically anything, if we're being honest. If you absolutely love the show and you want to check out some fantastic bonus content, you can become a donor on Patreon and earn all kinds of amazing benefits. We have three tiers to accommodate almost any budget. The $3 Mythbuster, $7 Cryptid Hunter, and $15 Storyteller. Become a patron today and start enjoying all the perks and extra content right away. Don't forget, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at pineapppizzapod. That's pineapppizzapod. You can also send us questions, comments, and topic ideas at pineapppizzapod at gmail.com. Remember, there's the two P's in app. Otherwise, you're emailing someone else, and I don't want to be held responsible for that. Thanks for stopping in for some deliciously weird morsels. And just remember, no matter how you slice it, you're awesome. And we love you.